Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Tom Wheeler, Executive Director of the Environmental Protection Information Center, or EPIC. And before we get into today's show, I want to give a quick shout out to our new underwriter. Thank you to Humboldt Distillery for sponsoring the Eco News Report. Humboldt Distillery supports all of our organizations. They are a fantastic distillery based in Fortuna here on the North Coast, and they make great local organic spirits, which are available at your neighborhood stores. So thank you for their support and go check them out. All right, now to the rest of the show. And I'm joined by my Epic colleague, co-worker, Matt Simmons, legal fellow at Epic. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tom. And always my friend, Alicia Heyman from Friends of the Eel River. Hey, Alicia. Hey, Tom. And another friend, I'm just so lucky to have so many friends, Larry Glass, executive director of the North Coast Environmental Center and Safe Alternatives for Our Forest Environment. Hey, Larry. Hey, everybody. And we're joined by an extra special friend, Ryan Henson from the California Wilderness Coalition. Hey, Ryan. Hello. Great to join you. So this is Ryan's second show, I think, in 2021. So he is a a fan favorite, and we're bringing him back on. And today we're going to talk about something near and dear to Ryan's heart and why he exists probably on this planet, which is wilderness. Those, those areas of nature untrammeled by man to use the language of the Wilderness Act. All right, Ryan, for those who are unfamiliar with capital W wilderness, so the legal use of that term, what are these wilderness areas that are so special to you in the California Wilderness Coalition? Sure. Well, you well. First of all, wilderness is capital W wilderness, as you put it, is is a legally defined term in federal law, and it was defined by the Wilderness Act of 1964. It essentially defined wilderness as an area of federal land. Okay, federal land, not private land, not and also not tribal land, but rather land managed by the National Park Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. Forest Service, or the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And so lands that are federal, generally over 5,000 acres or larger in size, so there are some exceptions. For example, the Farallon Island off San Francisco are, are a wilderness, and they're not over 5,000 acres in size. But because they're an island, they're, they're manageable as wilderness. And so small areas that are manageable as wilderness can sometimes be protected as such. So these are federal lands that are about eight and a half square miles. That's about 5,000 acres. Now, you mentioned that they are untrammeled. Now, that doesn't mean trampled. What it means is a trammel is, is, is like a net that you snare someone up in. Or, or that you use to keep a horse in place. You tie a, a trammel onto a horse. And so it's unyoked nature, okay? Unyoked nature, nature that we're not micromanaging, okay? And so it is not an area that is pristine. There's really no such thing. All land on this planet has been lived on by human beings for tens of thousands of, well, hundreds of thousands of, of years as, as we've evolved. And so this isn't a human-free environment. Instead, it's just an environment where we are allowed to visit. We can go and enjoy, but we, and I'm sorry about my dogs, but we get to protect these landscapes. And these do tend to be the most wildest remaining areas on our federal public lands. So in a forested ecosystem, a wilderness area would probably be dominated by unlogged ancient forest of various kinds. In a desert ecosystem, wilderness would probably be 
what's called desert pavement, an area where the ground has not been churned up by vehicles, and instead it's been weathered by nature for for eons and has a very characteristic look that they call desert pavement. So these are the wildest remaining parts of our public lands, and they're not they're not the majority of our public lands. Instead, they're just part. So for example, there's 44 million acres of federal public land in California, and of that, 15 million acres is managed as wilderness. And we don't think there's enough wilderness potential out there to to cover all of our public lands. So this would just be the wildest remaining parts. Now, what's allowed in wilderness? Well, you could do, it's easier to say what isn't allowed in wilderness. You can camp, you can hike, you can fish, you can hunt, you can ride horses, you can do most things that don't involve motor vehicles. But what you can't do is use motor vehicles, which is okay because these are also areas that don't have roads, okay? So they're not being driven in now. All we're saying is they shouldn't be driven in ever. (laughs) And so you can't drive vehicles in them. You can't log them with some very limited exceptions that I've never seen used before. You can't mine them. And basically you can't do industrial development in them, which is very important because most of our public lands, except those managed by the National Park Service, are open to industrial development. So I hope I've answered your question. I know I went on, but that's that's some of what wilderness is. Well, it it's a wonderful primer. And wilderness here on the coast, our, our wilderness areas are, are some of our favorite recreation areas. So these are the areas that we go to to seek solitude, to kind of find ourselves again in nature. Wilderness areas are, are often our superlative lands. And I, I am so thankful that the California, California Wilderness Coalition has worked for so long to protect them. So a, a, as I mentioned, we have a number of wilderness areas already. Can you kind of outline for folks listening here on the coast, where are wilderness areas around us? Sure. Well, one of the problems with the coast is that back in the 19th century, there was massive stealing of federal public land and handing it over to timber companies. So you, you lack, we lack a lot of federal public land near the ocean, but with some wonderful exceptions. What, oh, and one of those exceptions actually is the King Range National Conservation Area down in what's called the Lost Coast, south of Petrolia. The King Range, most of it is the King Range Wilderness. So that's one wilderness that listeners might be familiar with. Another one is to the northeast and west of of Crescent City, and that's the Siskiyou Wilderness, a very large, diverse, and and profoundly wild wilderness where the south and middle forks of the Smith River originate on one side, and then on the other side, some very important tributaries of the Klamath as well. And then the most popular wilderness area, and also one that happens to be the largest north of Yosemite, is is the Trinity Alps Wilderness in the Shasta Trinity, Six Rivers, and Klamath National Forests. And thousands of people every year visit the Trinity Alps, and I'm sure many of your listeners are, are familiar with the Alps. And so those are just some of the ones that are a little closer to, to the Humboldt Bay area. So... Why we have you on the show, though, is that there is legislation that has been introduced and will probably be introduced again in this next Congress that would add more wilderness areas, among other things, to our our network of wilderness here. So where where do we start with this? I I, I guess I, I guess uh, I actually have no idea. Where where do you want to start with this, Ryan? 
Well, let's well, talk about the many attempts to have these places put into wilderness in the past, and we're playing catch-up now. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Larry, do you want to talk about I was just going to ask Larry if he'd like to provide some of the historical context, because people like Larry have been trying to protect these lands since the 1960s. Yes, so we've, uh, thank you, Ryan, and you've been my sidekick through all of this. So we have, in the past, there's been other wilderness bills that have come forward and have been successful, and we've always tried to pick up a lot of the areas that are in the this current bill, but you know, through the political horse trading that takes place in Washington, D.C., a lot of these places have not made the final cut for one reason or another. And one time it was Pete Wilson who who said he wanted half of everything chopped off of the wilderness legislation. And so we lost a bunch of the stuff in Trinity County. And then another time it was our congressman at that time, Wally Herger, who said no no wilderness in my in my congressional district. And so all the stuff, once again, in Trinity County got hacked off. So this is a, another attempt to protect these areas that have been deserving protection since the original rare study and then the rare two study later. And Ryan, you want to explain rare and rare two? Well, I should say, actually, the, the Wilderness Act of 1964 directed the Forest Service to identify lands that that meet the definition of wilderness. And so in the 1970s, then the Forest Service finally came up with, with this inventory and it was a completely inadequate. It was called the Roadless Area Review and Evaluation or RARE process. And it was completely inadequate and, and there was a lawsuit over it. So that resulted in a second and much better, but still not thorough inventory called RARE 2. So Larry has mentioned RARE 1 and RARE 2. And, and it identified a lot of the wilderness candidates back in the 1970s that we're still trying to protect today, not to get too deep, but the areas identified in rare two and rare one are called inventoried roadless areas. And maybe some of the listeners who are familiar with federal public lands have heard the term roadless area, but roadless areas are just some of the wild places that we're trying to protect with, with this legislation. And so this new legislation or I guess it's not new because it's existed before, has identified a number of these locations. Ryan, can you give us just a little taste of some of the areas that would be designated as wilderness under this act? Sure. Well, the the, the closest geographically, though it's, it's not so close of a drive, is actually on South Fork Mountain. It's called the Mad River Buttes. It's a little thumb of land pointing west off of South Fork Mountain. Even though it's a fairly small area, it's only, I believe, about 6,000 acres in size. It is incredibly diverse. It's sort of like an accordion that's not stretched out all the way. It's got all these little ridges and ravines, and each one is very different. It's also the headwaters of Redwood Creek, the, the Redwood Creek that flows through Redwood National Park. So it's the very headwaters of this very important stream on the North Coast. It, it has a lot of ancient forest that was proposed for logging in the past and a lot of beautiful meadows, very important deer habitat. And it's got incredible views of the ocean on a clear day and even of Mount Shasta to the, to the northeast. That is the physically closest area to the Humboldt Bay area, the Mad River Buttes. And it was included in a 2006 bill 
and nearly passed, but it got taken out because the Bush administration back then said that it wanted to log the area. So it's definitely threatened. And we do need to protect it as wilderness. And so that's the closest. Another one that's pretty close is called Underwood. It is along the South Fork of the Trinity River, which is what's called a wild and scenic river, our nation's premier network of wildest remaining streams. And it's got a trail along it called the South Fork Trail that some of your listeners might be familiar with, which has got incredible wildfire displays in spring. And uh, you get to hike right along the river and, and it's great for camping and stuff. And so Underwood is also the boundary line between Humboldt County and Trinity County, if if that helps to orient people. And then in addition, we're also adding tens of thousands of acres to the Trinity Alps. These are lower elevation areas. One of the, I guess it's a problem. Yeah, one of the problems with the earliest wilderness bills is they tended to focus on higher elevation landscapes. The rocks and ice, as, <laughs> as yeah. we've made fun of the, some of those areas. Exactly. It's, you know, they, they kind of half-jokingly call it rock and ice wilderness. But over the years, each, each wilderness bill we passed, for example, the 2006 bill, the average elevation involved was 1,250 feet or something like that. So that's a lot better than, than the rock and ice. And so with this bill, we're down even lower. <laughs> and we're trying to protect a lot of the old growth and a lot of the streams and stuff that were left out when you just protect the ridge tops and the mountain tops. So, and so that's what we're adding to the Alps is, is a lot of ancient forest, a lot of low elevation country, oak woodlands, even all sorts of, of wonderful habitat. Larry. And in my backyard, <laughs> we have three big areas. One is called Patterson. And that's just to the northeast of High and Palm Valley. And then the South Fork roadless area, which is right across the river from me out on South Fork Mountain. And then we have the biggest stand of, of old growth Douglas fir that's not being protected currently called Chinkapin. And miraculously, as we would have predicted, those of us that that talk about these things all the time. It survived the August complex fire. So Chinkapin is a very important piece of, of this particular legislation. Larry, I'm glad you brought up Chinkapin because that's the area I'm most excited about. <laughs> Welcome to the Eco News Report. And joining us is Ryan Henson from the California Wilderness Coalition. And we're talking about Congressman Huffman's wilderness bill. Alicia, yeah, well, you know, there's there's other portions of this bill that I think are kind of interesting. And Larry, you just brought up fire. There's a fire adaptation component of this bill. Is that right? Can either of you speak to what what else we're getting with this bill? I know one thing Friends of the Eel is pretty excited about is proposed additions to wild and scenic river components. But I think let's let's talk about fire for a minute first. Yeah, there's a unique component with this that, that, for lack of a better way of describing it, we started calling it the restoration component, but I don't think that really talks about it. What it is is a large area of the Mad River and South Fork of the Trinity watershed, I believe just under 800,000 acres, where we're proposing that a series of roadside shaded fuel breaks be established in order to begin to get a handle on 
dealing with wildfire and fire in general, bringing fire back to the landscape, because you can't just introduce fire back to the landscape unless you have control points. And Roadside Shaded Fuel Breaks act as control points to be able to burn from and burn to. So this is an idea that was first hatched in the Trinity Collaborative, which Congressman Huffman came to visit. He heard the idea from from those of us that participate in the collaborative. He liked it and and asked us to hammer out the details for him. And he wanted to make it part of his bill, which was very sort of forward thinking and unlike most wilderness bills to have a big land management component like this of non-wilderness acres. One other thing on that, it would also require the Forest Service to basically attempt to regrow old growth forest across the restoration area. So it would prohibit the, well, more like heavily discourage <laughs> the logging of old growth and encourage the, the reestablishment where ecologically appropriate of old growth forest. And this is an area where there's a lot of old growth left, but there's also, what is it, Larry, about 300, 400, maybe at least 300,000 acres of old clear cuts that have been replanted and they're in just terrible shape. Right, right. That's that's the some that's a vestige from the from the seventies and eighties when there was quite a bit of that activity going on. And then the promise was, of course, that these were going to be regrown. They called them plantations and they were going to regrow them, but they just basically cut them and abandoned them. And so we have just thousands of acres of these that need to be dealt with. Because when fire hits those, it, it, it puts in danger the rest of the forest. Even forests that would normally withstand wildfire, when they're right next to one of these cut units that's grown up in little tiny fir trees, they just explode in fire. And then they, they start a crown fire. And for more on on fires, you should check out an episode that we recorded with Ryan from about two or three weeks ago, which you can find on the Lost Coast Outpost about the August complex. So go check that out. The link is also going to be in the show notes for this show. All right. Well, so this inclusion of non-wilderness things into a wilderness bill is unique and different. And I, I think it speaks to our primary sponsor of this legislation. Can you tell us how we got to this place and who is behind this bill? Ryan, let's not leave out the cannabis component of this either. Yeah, and yeah, so Congressman Huffman, before he was a member of Congress, about a year before, he met with us down in Marin. We we got some people who knew him to set up a meeting with him, and we met with him, and we told him that we'd like to do a wilderness bill. And he said, and wild and scenic rivers, Alicia, <laughs> and including many segments, including many tributaries of the Eel River, by the way. So we said we wanted to do a wilderness and wild city river bill. And he said, well, I don't want to stop there. I want to find out, I want to do a needs assessment of the community to find out what the needs are when it comes to public land. And so we spent years reaching out to people in the community, in the four, four counties covered by the bill, Mendocino, Del Norte, Humboldt, and Trinity. We spent years talking to people about how they use public land, what they appreciate about public land, what they don't like about how the public lands are managed, things like that. And 
the congressman then took that information and created a lot of what he called bells and whistles that, that could, be, could be attached to the legislation to address these various needs. So somebody at a meeting, a public meeting in Ukiah said, actually, his name was Jeff Hedin, and you know him, Tom. Jeff Hedin said, hey, how about giving a opportunity for people to adopt a campground or something like that or adopt a trail to help steward these resources? So that's in the bill. People brought up trespass. This is Larry's point here. People brought up trespass cannabis grows on public land, which just to reinforce the point that I hope is obvious is is that growing marijuana on public land is is strictly prohibited. Growing any crop on public land is is strictly prohibited. But it's a serious problem with some folks growing on public lands and causing terrible, terrible damage as a result. And there are now hundreds and possibly thousands of sites on public lands around the state that have mounds of garbage and other problems associated with them as a result of, of the growing. And so the bill would create a partnership to help direct funding and other resources to clean up these sites and to hopefully also prevent them. And so that's another aspect of the bill. And then there's also a huge recreation element because people talked a lot about recreation needs. So, for example, getting trails closer to communities. So there's a study of trail opportunities in the bill Now, you might say, it's just a study. What's the point of that? Well, you've got to come up with a menu before you can order dinner, right? So, you know, we need to to come up with a plan and a vision, and this will help get us there. And there's other aspects of the bill, like a uh, proposed trail around Trinity Reservoir, which would be quite... (laughs) quite a long trail, actually, if I've measured it. It's about 150 miles, I think, to go around Trinity Reservoir. So that would be a lot of trail right there. It's also kind of an exciting proposal, the Bigfoot National Recreation Trail, which would run from the Yolaboli Middle Eel Wilderness, my favorite place on planet Earth, north to the Siskiyou Wilderness, and then down into Redwood National Park and, and meet the ocean there. So there's just a lot of what the congressman called bells and whistles in the bill to, you know, in response to this community assessment, but also to help build support for the bill by creating a coalition of different interests who are interested in in the various things that are being addressed by the bill. So it's been introduced before, and we haven't passed it out of Congress. Why why might a, a future attempt be more likely to succeed? Well, because of what happened with the uh, last general election. Oh, actually, actually, I should say because of what happened in the election in Georgia. <laughs> so largely, basically, our bill has always been blocked in the Senate. Former Senator, now Vice President Kamala Harris did a wonderful job of trying to advance the bill. We're deeply grateful that she embraced it as her own. She inherited the bill from, from Senator Barbara Boxer of, of blessed memory, not that she's dead, but <laughs> she's retired who did a lot of wilderness bills, she, she embraced it as her own and tried her best to push it, but it always died in the Senate. Well, now the Senate has flipped, and we really think we have a good chance this time of passing it there. We're really eager to, to give it a try. So now Vice President Harris, formerly Senator Harris, was a, a co-sponsor, the Senate co-sponsor of this bill. She's been replaced by Alex Badia. What do we know about his views on this bill and how can we get him to adopt it in the same way that Vice President Harris once did? 
Well, unfortunately, we know nothing about his views of this bill. We have not been able to meet with his staff yet. He's still in the process of hiring staff. And we intend to meet with, I'm like a kid in a candy store waiting for him to hire staff. So we are waiting with bated breath for, for, for his staff to come on board. We are going to do with him what we tried to do with Senator Harris, successfully, thank God, and that is to, you know, describe the bill, tell him why it's important, and and tell him who supports it, and hope that he will embrace it as his own and, and run with it. So that's what we hope. So because wilderness areas are, are our superlative lands in, in many respects, as I said earlier, folks have a lot of love for them, and people kind of get wilderness in a way that it seems in, in, inherent or, or it seems easier to get than other environmental issues. So I know a lot of folks out, out in our listening audience are, are going to want to support this. How can folks help ensure the passage of this bill now that we have a, a good fighting chance in Congress? Well, I, I think the, the primary thing, pe- the most helpful thing people could do right now is to contact Senator Padilla and say, please work with Congressman Huffman to pass his Northwest Wilderness Recreation and Working Forests Act. And we will get out more specific information that perhaps, you know, you you could read on the air or something as soon as we have staff to reach out to. But but yeah, right now, just contacting Senator Padilla and, and asking him to adopt the bill. The of secondary importance, but still important, is to thank Mr. Huffman. I, I know he's I know his heart's in the right place. I know he's with us, but it never hurts to thank any elected official for doing the right thing. And plus he gets to wave those letters around and say, look at all the support I have. And that really does count in the political process. Larry, go ahead. I just wanted to mention something Ryan didn't touch on is that we actually got bipartisan support in the House of Representatives, which didn't happen a whole lot in the last few years with environmental bills. Yeah, we actually got Republican House votes when it passed the House last year. Well, that's fantastic. One other thing that I would like to point out for people is to fall in love with these lands and to take a visit. You know, spring is rapidly approaching. It was sunny this morning when I woke up, for example, which is always a sign that spring is about to spring. So take a, take a hike out there. I, I think, Ryan, you, you mentioned some trails. Any good recommendations for early spring? Larry, would you like to take a stab at that? Well, I'd normally say the South Fork Trail that starts at around Forest Glen, but I haven't been able to walk it since the August Complex fire, so I'm not sure what kind of shape it's in. So I I will restrain myself from advocating people walk on that one right now. But the one that Brian mentioned, the other South Fork Trail that goes by Underwood, I think that's one that's low enough elevation that, that people could enjoy it. Like Brian said, it's filled with wildflowers at the right time of year. It's also closer to 299 than a lot of other trails. It's, it's ironic that we have a region with so many public lands, but so few trails. Yeah. And so that's really something we need to work on. Absolutely. You can find a, a map showing all of the different areas proposed for inclusion under this wilderness bill, I, I believe, at the California Wilderness Coalition's website. Yes, and also Mr. Huffman's website. All right. So, Ryan, let's direct people to you. Where should they go to, to access the California Wilderness Coalition? Calwild.org is our website, C-A-L-W-I-L-D.org. And we have a lot of great resources there and can also have links to 
Mr. Huffman's site and places like that. So, yes. And the North Coast Environmental Center has been fantastic in getting the word out. So always pick up an issue of the Eco News or you can read it online. And I, I virtually guarantee that every issue has something about the wilderness bill. So keep reading the Eco News and keep listening to the Eco News Report. All right. Well, this has been another wonderful show. Thank you to Ryan for joining us again. Ryan Henson with the California Wilderness Coalition. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to my co-hosts for for joining as well. And thank you for all. Well, join us again on this time and channel next week for more environmental news from the North Coast of California.